0: Hello, my name's Luke, and welcome to Scapegoat, the podcast where we see who gets the blame and who gets away with murder, sometimes literally. In this week's episode, we speak about Darius McCollum, a man who's been arrested over 30 times for driving the New York Metro. Is Darius a common hijacker, or is there a twist in his tail? Is he a hardened criminal, or a misunderstood folk hero? We'll find out in this week's episode. So to start off with, Darius was born on March 28th, 1965 in Brooklyn, New York. His parents were Elizabeth and Samuel McCollum. He was an only child and had a very strong relationship with his mother and a distant relationship with his father. So at a young age, Darius' mother would take him all over New York using the New York Metro. And Darius began to really love the metro system. It was absolutely fascinated him. So he wanted to understand how the trains worked and every time he went on the trains he was running around looking at all the windows, looking at all the billboards, looking how the floor connected to the seats. For him, the New York Metro was absolute heaven, and he was looking at it and being like, Wow, this is amazing! You'd imagine just in the 1970s, the New York subway system was a dirty and dangerous place. But for Darius, it was an absolute wonder. So by the age of five, he had completely memorised the New York subway system, and would receive phone calls from friends and relatives asking for advice on travel plans. So if they had to cross the city, Darius, as a five-year-old, was who they would contact. So although Darius had a deep knowledge of trains, he didn't excel at school, and he had a real difficulty making friends. So by second grade, he was placed in the special education program, and you know he continued being there, but he didn't really have a great relationship with the students around him, and he didn't really enjoy it. He just said school was a bore to him. And on one winter's day, when Darius was 12, there was a heavy snowfall, and the only two students there were Darius and another boy. So the teacher, thinking here, I don't really have to teach because I've got two people, gave the boys both a jigsaw puzzle and said, "Okay, boys, here's your day classroom activity, 200-piece jigsaw, get going. And the other boy saw Darius's jigsaw, and he wanted to do them both. He said, look, both puzzles are mine's. The teacher said, no, no, you have to share. One for you, one for Darius. So the teacher, thinking, okay, well, that's my job done for the day. Just turned her back and started, like, tidying up shelves in the room and wasn't paying attention to the boys. And when her back was turned, the other boy snuck up to her desk and stole a pair of scissors. With Darius with his head down focused on the puzzle, the other boy plunged the scissors into Darius's back opening and closing them when they were stuck in his back, causing severe damage. So Darius screamed out in absolute agony, and the boy was going to plunge the scissors in again, but the teacher intervened, stopping the boy from doing more damage. An ambulance was called, but due to the snow, it arrived late, and Darius had passed out due to a blood loss. The scissors had plunged into his lungs, and had completely deflated them, causing like fluid to fill his lungs and they'd been an inch away from his heart so if they had actually touched if they'd gone through his heart he would have fatally bled out. Darius was taken to hospital and stabilized and after two surgeries he was released over two weeks later. From this point on Darius hated school and would frequently have panic attacks and avoid the other children. Shockingly the boy who stabbed him remained his classmate and they had to share the room together So, the only relief for Darius, he said, was when he was going to the school on the subway and leaving the school on the subway. Like, he was like, This is the only thing I get is a subway. I hate school. I don't want to be there. So, Darius began skipping school and hanging around the subway all day. So, when he was forced to go to school, he would act out and act erratically. But when he was in the subway, you know, he generally was just chilled out and was like, Oh, I'm loving life. This is great. And Darius quickly just began, because you know, he was a young, questionable boy, speaking to different MTA, which is the New York uh, transportation railway workers. And you know, he would quickly start to befriend people. He was like a very sociable person and he was very interested. And the men were like, Oh, this guy's fascinating. And he would love to talk to them. He was very polite and he would do almost anything that they asked. So one day, one guy said, Here, um, would you start sweeping the office for us? Because this would be something I would really... I don't have time to do. And since you're hanging around, would you sweep my office? And he was like, sure, 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 mister. And he swept his office. And soon he began doing stuff like sweeping the trains, cleaning them, getting employees food, accompanying them on train rides and learning all the buttons. So he was just like the mascot for different drivers that they were bored and said oh hey here's darius he can help me with my work and you know you can accompany on me on rides he likes it i like it this is great sooner or later some employees began to let darius drive the train so he knew the buttons and they said look here i'll be here i'll supervise if you get into trouble i will always be able to jump in and stop you but you can drive this train and darius is driving this train and of course you can imagine that he, if he had been caught It would have been bad for the train drivers, but no one seemed to notice uh, this young man driving the trains. So Darius was in heaven. He was 13 years old and he was driving trains all over New York. And by this point, by the age of 13, he was actually doing this on a daily basis. He just stopped going to school and he was driving trains under the supervision of the other train drivers who were like, oh, this kid's awesome. He loves our job. Well, (laughs) I'll totally get him to do his job. His mother still wanted him to go to school and would beg the MTA workers not to let Darius hang around. But he started to prove himself a valuable asset. The MTA workers began ringing him and asking him to join in their shifts. Workers began to fight over who Darius would be with. So he'd get a phone call saying, here, come out here. And 15 minutes later, another phone call, here, Darius, we need you here. And he said, look, you know, I have to choose, I've been put in the spot, I have to choose which worker I go out and help. And he would say like the person who was always like more desperate for the help was the one that he would help. And for Christmas that year and for his birthdays, the workers began to give him presents. So they began to give him some MTA equipment. So quickly he had his own MTA uniform, keys, flashlight, hard hat and badge. So although he was 13 years old, he had the full kit of an MTA like official so on January 29th 1981 when Darius was 15 he was asked by his MTA friend Carl Shylock to drive the train six stops from the World Trade Center Plaza and back and Carl would go and see his girlfriend so this is the first time that Darius would ever drive the train alone so it was kinda quasi weird him working there before but now he was actually driving a train so If he was driving this and the other person was in the carriage, potentially he could get into a lot of trouble. But Darius, wanting to help, didn't really see this as a big deal and said, look, it's six stops there and back, so I'll He agreed. And Basie said, here, your girlfriend is also like a conductor on these trains. Let's keep this in the house. Let's keep this in the family. You go off and see your girlfriend. I'll do this route. And, you know, he just started driving and he did the announcements as politely as he could. He stopped at each station, he was picking them up, he was acting really professionally and he was having a great time, being like, wow, this is like what it is to be a train driver, this is what I want to do when I'm older. However, at a stop, a woman who got off the train noticed Darius and seeing like a young man driving the train, because he wasn't that tall, she was like immediately concerned and reported this to the MTA. The MTA's tower like just phoned forward to the World Trade Center Plaza and said, okay, could you have someone just investigate this train on the E-line? Because there's rumours that a boy is driving this. This can't be. So when he got to the World Trade Centre, he was stopped and he was asked where was Carl. Not wanting to betray his friend, Darius said, Oh, he's he's around, he's around. Just he's gone away just for a minute, but like he'll be back. And you know, the conductor thought that was okay. But then a dispatcher approached him and I don't know if you know that much about trains, but the dispatchers are the ones who choose when your train can leave the station, where it's safe. So Darius needed this guy to say, go and drive before he could drive. And the dispatcher approached him and basically asked him about the switch around. He said, like, where's the driver? You know, who's supposed to be driving this train? And Darius was like, look, I'm the driver. And he was looking at him like, this 13 year old boy's the driver. Okay, and he walked away and Darius was hoping and praying. He had no knew that he had been rumbled, but he was hoping, look, if I act professionally, maybe he'll just give me the go-ahead. I just drive out. I'll just drive the six stations back. I'll give the train back to Carl and nothing will happen. However, when the dispatcher returned, he told Darius to make an announcement that the train was not in service. So Darius announced, look, the train's not in service. People got off the train and he was like, what's going to happen now? And then the transport police arrived and detained Darius. So, as you can imagine, the story of a 15-year-old boy driving a train on the E-Line in New York was big, kind of like, bombastic news stories. And, you know, this was also reported in newspapers or It was reported actually all over America. So Darius was kind of famous for doing this. Darius, not wanting to get his friends in trouble when he was speaking to the police, he didn't reveal he'd been working with an MTA Officer, He just simply said, no, 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 no. This is just me. I was dealing with this. I don't want to knock out my friend. So no, I'm, uh, I'm fine. I'm not going to tell on my friend. His parents, not knowing what to do with him, had him committed to Elmhurst Hospital for nine months. So he wasn't going to go to jail at the age of 15. But his parents sold him to Elmhurst, which was a psychiatric hospital. And to keep him calm in the hospital, the doctors gave him a forazine, which is a drug which isn't suitable for children. He might have been 15, but you shouldn't be giving forazine to anyone under the age of 18. And this had massive side effects, such as convulsive seizures, shock-like conditions, dizziness, and even something people can compare to Parkinson's disease. It's like temporary Parkinson's, so you become a brain-addled mess. And in his own words... Darius was pretty much just drooling out of his mouth and doing nothing. But after nine months, his parents realised that Darius was being brutally sexually abused within the facility and thought, no, we need to get our son out of here. This is not a good place for him at all. And after being released, Darius returned to the subway and after a few days, where he was welcomed back with open arms. The workers were delighted that Darius had not revealed he had been working with them to the authorities. And they were like, here, you didn't snitch on us. You're all right by us, Darius. We're sorry you got in trouble, but like, here, come back and work with us. But Darius's mother had made him promise that he'd stay away from trains. But the draw was a bit too strong. So in his year away, Darius had had a growth spurt. And he realised he was old enough to drive MTA buses so darius trying to stay away from trains began to drive the bus and he quickly became an unofficial operator of the bus initially he was doing this by he would drive them a little distance to get them washed and he wouldn't have been driving them on open roads but soon the way things worked for him was he was operating a scheduled route because you know he was covering for his friends and he thought okay well you know this isn't the worst thing to do however he was caught again And this was a huge violation of his probation. So he was sent to jail, then sent to another mental facility after he had served his sentence. Where again, there was no real diagnosis or viable treatment. When in prison, Darius wrote to the MTA to try and apply for a job of a bus driver when he was released. But due to his infamy being widely reported on, and his felony convictions... The bosses at the MTA refused him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They thought, here, this guy's trouble. We don't really want him driving. He's a liability. Sorry, Darius, but you can't. And you can imagine this as being crushing because Darius, from the age of 12, he's been driving these things. This is clearly his life's ambition and he's been refused. So upon leaving the mental facility, Darius went straight back to working with his friends at the MTA. And shock, shock, he got arrested again. So this began a years of a turnstile incarceration with Darius not being able to control his urge to work at the MTA. So, you know, he'd go to jail, he'd get out and then he'd find himself on the subway and then he'd find himself meeting one of his friends and driving or, you know, even under his own initiative just going around having a look at stuff and getting into trouble. So although being in and out of jail frequently, Darius was never arrested for any violent crimes. He never injured anyone while driving and has been described as courteous by both the passengers when he was driving them and the police who arrested him. So he was being, so all his arrests are for driving public transport. But, you know, even when he was being arrested, he'd wait for the police. He'd be arrested. He was kind of very amiable towards them. He kind of knew what he was doing, but... You know, he didn't want to get, he didn't want to cause anyone any harm. So at this time, Darius was represented by a lawyer called Stephen Jackson. Now Stephen Jackson liked Darius for one reason and one reason only. Because Darius, every time he got arrested for driving this, he would appear in the newspaper. And Stephen being like a bit of a lawyer looking for a reputation and looking for big name clients said, OK, I'm re- I'm representing D- Darius and, you know, he would be the one in the newspaper talking about him and, you know, raising his profile. However, the lawyer, Stephen Jackson, regularly missed court dates, causing Darius to actually stay in prison for years longer than he should because, you know, the way the New York justice system was at the time, there was a lot of people backed up in the system. So if you got heard by a judge, you know, and you missed that, It might be six months before you got your next hearing. So Jackson not turning up was really bad for Darius. And when in prison, Darius got diagnosed as having Asperger's syndrome, which is a high-functioning form of autism. If you've listened to our previous episode on Gary McKinnon, the Scottish hacker, this is also what he had. And the psychiatrist stated that Darius had savant abilities which is why he was so knowledgeable about the subway system. So he had bad social skills, but he had very good at uh, being able to remember things, and he clearly had a strong affinity to trains. The psychiatrist said that Darius had impaired judgment, and due to this, Darius could not view what he was doing as a bad action. Instead, Darius believed he was doing a public service, And had difficulty understanding how people would react negatively to what he was doing. He saw, like, I'm just doing a job. I'm getting people from A to B. And I'm helping. And I like trains. And I'm helping my friends do this. So why is this so bad? Why am I going to jail? And the Asperger's are also what kind of, like, why Darius lacked social skills. And why he didn't get on with the other students in school. Like, you know, this was clearly a major problem for Darius. So the psychiatrist recommended therapy to help Darius. However, Darius didn't receive any treatment due to being incarcerated. So incarcerated felons don't actually get any of these treatments, or they didn't in New York at this time. I don't think they do now, but yeah, this was a bad position for Darius to be. His Asperger's was actually used against him once when he tried to change his lawyer. So Stephen Jackson hadn't shown up again. And he was just sick and tired of being let down. So Darius said, look, the court, can I either represent myself, fire Stephen Jackson or get another lawyer? And when Darius said, look, can I change lawyer? The judge replied simply, due to his Asperger's, he had diminished capacity, which meant that he was unable to make the decision to fire his lawyer. He wasn't able to. The judge says, look, you're not clear of mind enough to be able to do this. So. He's clear enough of mind to go to jail, but not clear enough of mind to fire his lawyer. So when released, Darius tried to stay away from the MTA. But, you know, he would start to use public transport and slowly but surely the impulse to drive would be upon him. When once released, Darius began to volunteer at the New York Transport Museum, which was a job he absolutely loved. And this job actually helped him a lot because it negated his urge to drive MTA vehicles. So, you know, if he was hanging around trains and talking about trains to people who liked trains and giving guided tours, he was like, oh my God, this is as good as driving trains. I'm fine. But unfortunately for Darius, someone reported him to the museum. And although though the staff liked him and wanted him to stay, their hands were tied and they had to fire him. So Darius had this as like, you know, a job which was actually keeping him out of prison keeping him from doing bad things and someone snitched on him and unfortunately he lost his job so Darius ended up quickly being arrested again for you guessed it driving public transportation impersonating an MTA staff and what he actually for this case was accused of pulling an emergency brakes to stop the train so they said, okay, you've got the keys to pull the emergency brake. Clearly, you did it. But Darius refuted this, saying he would not pull the brake or he wouldn't do anything dangerous. And, you know, no, this isn't me. So he, he did this around the year 2000. So Darius was in prison during the 9 11 terror attacks. And he volunteered his time and skills to make the subway system safe. Because people had heard of this guy saying, okay, This guy's clearly really super smart and knows the subway. He's the guy we should go to if we want to make sure that the subways are terrorist free. So Darius led a team of federal agents and the New York City intelligence detective and New York State police through the subway system identifying different locations where intruders were able to enter without being detected. Although he was helping the government, he received no benefit and was made walk the subway system in shackles. To show all the points of entry, people gave him no, you know, he was helping, but he had nothing going for him. And instead, the Department of Corrections noted that Darius was easily manipulated and a terrorist could gain valuable information from him. So, as a result of them saying this, Darius was placed into solitary confinement to stop him speaking to terrorists in jail. So, imagine this this guy who's like kind, non violent in prison trying to help, and he sent a solitary confinement for helping. But around this time, Darius had a bit of luck. Because fortunately, Darius's lawyer, who had been trying to get rid of Stephen Jackson, was arrested for committing check fraud against one of his clients, the Capital One Bank. This gave Darius the opportunity to get a new lawyer, who was called Sally Butler. Darius's mother and father... Had now retired and decided to move to North Carolina for their retirement and asked Darius to join them when he got out. Darius believed that if he could get away from the public transport of New York City, he would not re offend because Ethan was just saying, Look, I have to, New York's huge, you have to take public transport and it's too tempting. But unfortunately for him, as part of his parole, it said he could not leave New York City. So he couldn't actually visit his mum and his dad down in North Carolina. And his mum and his dad were starting to get a bit sick and were like, please just let him come down. But his parole officers said, no, nope, you have to stay in New York City. He was also made to wear an ankle bracelet and banned from riding the subway. So the ankle bracelet would beep if he was on the subway platform or even go down the stairs. He was pretty much said, no, nope, you have to walk everywhere. You can't get the bus. You can't get this. If you're going to be in New York, you have to walk. And after two days, Darius could not continue this his urge to use the subway was that great, he removed the bracelet and rode the subway. But this was soon discovered and Darius was sent back to prison. Darius's most recent arrest happened in 2015 when he was caught in a deliriously happy state driving a Greyhound bus through New York. Again, he was driving completely, like, he was driving a set route. He wasn't, like, joyriding or doing anything like that. He was actually just, enjoying himself by trying to help people and drive a route. So Darius was going to be evicted from his apartment that day and becoming homeless was very distressing for him. What he actually had done is he had gone out and gotten the bus to use as a coping mechanism. So Darius's lawyer advocated for him to get treatment to deal with his compulsions while the prosecuted Ushin argued that he should be jailed for the rest of his life. The prosecution presented Darius as someone who is dangerously mentally ill and a danger to society, while the defense pointed at Darius's lack of a violent past, and said, "Look, this guy clearly isn't that bad. Look, he's doing stuff, but he's never injured someone. He's just kind of taken routes and like you know, buses, and it's not like you know he's hurting people. He's actually doing a public service." Independent psychiatrists, which weren't hired by the prosecution or defence, argued that with the correct therapy and support, Darius could become a responsible member of the community. Turning up to his trial, Darius actually didn't have his hearing aids. He had actually lost his hearing aids in prison when he was awaiting trials. So he couldn't actually, his hearing was that bad, he actually couldn't hear or speak at his own trial to defend himself. The judge committed Darius to Mid Hudson Psychiatric Center. The website Free Darius Now describes the facility as hell on earth. The facility is notorious for abuse, neglect, and danger. Patients are doped up with massive amounts of narcotics, they are restrained and shackled. Straightjackets and isolations are common methods of punishment. It is morally reprehensible to put this kind, non-gentle, non-violent man. Into such a vile place. And that's a quote from Free Darius now. So that is where Darius is now. He is probably going to be. So to finish up, I would just like to make a couple of comments about the way I feel about this case in particular. The first thing I would just like to say is there's a big parallel between the way I feel about this and the story of Gary McKinnon, but I'm coming from it at a different angle. So for Gary McKinnon, if you listened to that episode, you might remember myself, Paul and Jerry. We were all a bit critical of McKinnon's behaviour and we thought that he was actually using autism a bit of a scapegoat because, you know, he caused damage and he left notes saying like, ha ha, I am, uh, you know, I have done this and I am so smart. And then suddenly, you know, when it came to it, he was using his mother to speak and butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He did have some sort of malice to what he was doing and I feel that Darius you know to counter that has very very little malice That watching interviews with him just looking at his general character he's a non-violent person whose crime was pretty much just driving a bus for his friends or there was an occasion that we didn't mention in the story where he like pretended that he was a manager of MTA and turned up to a site and made suggestions of like how to improve efficiency. And the workers there like were like, oh, this guy was actually great. He did improve efficiency and he was very kind and very nice. Which was another thing that Darius ended up getting arrested for. And just the way I feel is Darius, he was doing something wrong. But I feel that his form of autism in comparison to Gary McKinnon's, he wasn't actually doing an awful lot wrong. And he was just driven to be do-, to do these actions of, like, driving these vehicles. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, he hijacked this, he hijacked that. I don't really think, you know, he was hijacking is the term you would use. Or joyriding, which some of the media uses. He was kind of just doing a route, picking up passengers, taking their money, and, like, leaving the money for the company. It's kind of like a pro bono working for them. You know, he saw it as... Doing like a public good. And I understand that you can't really be taking someone else's property to do stuff. But for him to have been in jail for about 20 years of his life. Or half of the years he's been alive since the age of like 15 when he got first arrested. He spent more than half of that in jail. I think this was incredibly harsh. And uh, yeah, no, I mean it isn't something that I think should have happened. So in comparison to Gary McKinnon... I think that uh, Gary was probably treated very leniently, and I feel that uh, Darius was treated like in a worse way. And there was a factor that we haven't really mentioned in the story that uh, I think also affected it. it was Darius. You know, we didn't mention anything about you know his ethnicity or anything like that, but Darius was black, and the thing for Darius is. You can imagine in New York in the 1980s, if you're like being around committing crimes or of any sort, like statistically, if you're black, you'll be treated far worse. That if it had been maybe a white boy driving the train at the age of 15, the woman might have, have reported it or, you know, they might have just waved it through or the police mightn't have made it into the story or news story. You never know. So I think that was a factor in this as well, which worked against him being like a poor black person. Probably doesn't help your justice very much. And uh, yeah, I just kind of feel very sorry for him because his mother and different family people, different psychologists just all suggested, look, just give him a job at the MPA. Like it doesn't have to be driving something if you think he's a liability, but put him behind a desk or give him something that he's doing a tour of the New York subway or just something that involves trains so he gets his little bit of a kick but like you know he's left he can do his own thing if you're looking at other people who've committed crimes far worse like there's a guy called Frank Abagnale who was if you've ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can he was Leonardo DiCaprio's character he was the fraudster who pretended to be a doctor pretended to be a lawyer he was doing awful things like When pretending to be a doctor, he was giving people medicine and, you know, giving people advice as an untrained doctor. And what happened to him was he just ended up being hired by, like, security firms to become, like, a white-hacked anti-fraud person. So he ended up making money being paid in the private sector and public sector for his crimes. And, you know, I think that there should have been some form of kind of, like restitution for Mr. Darius because I think you know he had such a level of intellect to do with this that you'd imagine that in some way someone could have found use or hired him like you know when he helped the people at 9-11 just give him a reprieve and say okay you can drive the bus or you can do this or you can do a beer tour guide just kind of like give him some way out And I kind of feel they gave him no way out. Honestly, the way they treated him around the 9 11 thing, I think was despicable. You know, throwing him into solitary confinement after he helped you, you know, I don't think the guy had an awful lot of malice around him, and that's just cruel. So, in my opinion, I think he was badly mistreated. But I can totally see the other side of the story if someone wants to come up and say, dude, He committed crimes. A crime's a crime's a crime's a crime's a crime. I mean, I can get that, but... You know, just non-violent crimes. You know, he wasn't really doing anything bad. I think 20 years in jail and the rest of his life in a psychiatric hospital. Which honestly sounds like a very grim place. I don't think this guy deserved it. I think he just got an unfair like roll of the dice. And I would like to see in some way for him to be rehabilitated in society, that even if he got out of jail and some private coach firm hired him to drive buses or something, just like, I think this guy could be redeemed very easily. And, uh, yeah, you know, I also just wanted to mention one thing because there's a lot of information on it and something I kind of find interesting is there is a link between autistic people and trains that this might be something that you've noticed if you have an autistic family member or friend, that there is a strong kind of affinity between autistic people and trains. Now, this isn't for all autistic people. It's a general, like, a stereotype. Some people like them. You could have an autistic brother who cares nothing about trains at all. But there is a kind of weird link that a lot of people on the autism spectrum actually really like trains. And people just say this because a train is on a set track it arrives at a certain time it's very scheduled and this sort of like scheduling and like reliability and consistency does appeal to an awful lot of people with autism because you know they like routine they like you know things being efficient and things being good so I think this might have been a factor towards like uh, towards Darius's attractions towards trains like a lot of you know there was a kind of impulse there. I kind of wish he had been able to control it, but going by the extent of what happened to him, I think he had no control over that. It was just, oh, magic. Like I need to do this. Complete compulsion. And yeah, that's uh, the story of him. Oh, there was another little story I just wanted to mention that Darius actually ended up getting married to a lady... And she was South American. And she spoke not one word of English. He spoke only like non-Spanish. So they were married. And they couldn't speak to each other. And they ended up splitting up. Because she thought he was cheating on him. And you know he was leaving the house. Late, early in the morning or late at night. And she was just like you know. This guy's cheating on me. And she confronted him. And what he had actually been doing. Was just going down to the station platform. And looking at trains. And she said. Darius, you have to make a choice. It's the trains are me. And uh he said, Look, I'm sorry, but I'm always gonna have to choose the trains. And you know, just thinking about that, the amount of time he lost, this sort of thing, I think he had very little control. And just one final thought I would like to say is this episode makes me think a lot about uh the need for not snitching, because like I understand reporting stuff to the police if something bad is happening, but An awful lot of this story relied on people who kind of like just reporting him, like, you know, the lady reporting him driving the train or the people reporting him when he was in the transport museum. Darius kind of was the good guy by like not snitching out his colleagues. And, you know, he probably would have been a lot better off if he had just said, look, Carl asked me to do this. It just wasn't in his nature. And, you know, I think that's generally the story. So yeah this is something you'd avoid so thank you for listening to this i would advise anyone if this is your first episode to go back and listen to the gary mckinnon one because there are some very strong parallels between these cases i would also say if you enjoyed this you might enjoy our story about the hurricane the boxer so uh if that is something that might interest you i would go check that out because like reuben carter amazing boxer was also discriminated against you know being an african-american man so that's something that you might want to check out as of always if you like this kind of podcast i'd advise you to go listen to jerry and paul's none of fake newscast which is a kind of sister podcast of ours that uh, those guys are real they were on uh, scapegoat before so if you're listening to this guy's hi i'd also like to say listen to disaster artists uh, Johnny released an episode on Die Hard recently which is really good. So, keep rocking you guys. Uh the C word, which is a conspiracy podcast, they just started season 2. So, here if you could give those guys a listen as well. I think they are great. So, here thanks a lot for listening guys and yeah, hopefully in the next few days you don't end up on some sort of uh travel ban like uh, Darius did. So, Keep stay cool and talk to you soon okay bye guys i made it here all the travel bin. i got drives like the Taliban. better watch out i must stay your